Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. It is so good to have Andy back with us. Andy and Laura, as you know, have adopted two children and uh, we love that. And the kids are, you're getting a lot of whoops and hollers here tonight. So we're going to give you a big whoop and holler and applause for Andy. Thanks for that, Leon. And thank you for the whoops as well. Leon's just stole me first for two points of my talk, but that's all right. Um, I want to just start by saying thank you. Like, Life Central is an amazing place, but it's not just a service, it's a family. And I think for me and Laura, we've really felt that. We have felt your love, your support, your prayers. We just love this church and love that you guys are standing with us. And so for all the the gifts, the cards, the smiles, the hugs, the prayers that you guys have been praying for us, we we just want to thank you so much from the bottom of your heart. We really, really appreciate you. Things are going well. There's more good days than bad days. There are bad days and there are bad moments, um, but things are going well and we couldn't we couldn't be more thrilled um, with how they're getting on. Um, and they love church. And so like... The kids' team have just been utterly amazing. Yeah, Faith and Emma are the new heroes in our house. Um, the kids' team have just been phenomenal. Um, I want to talk to you tonight. We, we read from uh, 1 Kings 19 earlier. Um, we're going to read from 1 Kings 18 um, and look at a story that happened there. And in fact, this talk I wrote six years ago. I never actually delivered it until tonight. I think I wrote it for something coming up and then plans changed and so I just had to shelve it. And I felt God say, don't delete it because you'll need it one day. And when I was praying and preparing for this, I felt God say, you know that talk you wrote ages ago? Have a look at it again. And so I've reworked it and I'm using it tonight. And you know, um, we're going to look at a story and we'll, we'll fly through it in a minute. But when people... When you get to meet new people, they ask you two questions, don't they? The first is, what's your name? And the second is, what do you do for a living? Like, what's your job? What are you paid to do? And we, we, we always ask that question because we want to get to know people. And your job is what you're paid to do. But I'm not talking about your job tonight. I'm talking about your mission. Because the title of what we're talking about is getting on with what God wants us to to do. And Leon said it brilliantly in his talk. We get on with it. Well, how do we get on with what God wants us to do? And I think being on mission is being on mission wherever you are. So when you're paid to do the thing that you do, you're doing that, but you're also on mission to help people find and follow Jesus. So if you're a teacher or a a doctor or a lorry driver or a bin man or an office worker, you're paid to do those jobs. But what you're really doing as well is you're on mission to help people find and follow Jesus. Every single one of us, it's not just about Sundays at Life Central Church, it's helping people find and follow Jesus. Every single one of us, that's why we talk about everybody, everywhere, every day. It's about all of us being on mission. And I think we, we use helping people find and follow Jesus. I think our job is put a little bit differently, simply like this. We've got to know God and we've got to make God known. That's the two things that we've got to do. We've got to know God for ourselves and we've got to make God known. That's our mission. That's our job. That's what we're here to do. And so I want to look at a little bit of the story of Elijah to, to get us thinking 
about that. And this story centers around weather. Um, and in the UK, we love weather, don't we? And like, even tonight, we were like, oh, what's it? And loads of people are like, the weather can't make its mind up today. And we're having conversations. And most of the time, you don't care about the weather until you're invested in the weather being good. So if you have a barbecue on Saturday, you're checking the weather now to see what the, barbecue, what the weather for the barbecue. Nobody is more invested in the weather than Leon one week before the Christmas production. He is religiously, by the hour, checking the Met Office, going, well, the Met Office said it's going to snow on Friday night. Does that mean we need to get the gritters out? Leon is so invested in the weather, but most of the time, he doesn't care, only at Christmas. And in this moment, Elijah forbids it to rain for three and a half years. And it's, it's amazing. In, in the book of James, it's put really simply, and I love the way James puts it. It says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. If only it was as simple as that. You know, you know that song where it says, like, uh, and as I open up my mouth, miracles fall out. We joke about it, and we say, like, and as I open my mouth, like, mistakes fall out. Regrets, things that I shouldn't have said fall out. It doesn't feel like, I don't know, I don't feel like I could pray and the rain would stop. But it's, it, it was actually not as simple as James puts it. it it's, it's a lot more complicated. And so where, we, where we're going to pick up the story is, is this moment where Elijah is on Mount Carmel. And Elijah's already prayed for it to stop raining. And he's been almost in hiding for three and a half years because King Ahab is basically blaming Elijah for all of, Eli of, of Israel's troubles and problems. And God tells them to go and reappear to Ahab. And they basically agree to have this little bit of a God off, like a, a competition to see which God is really real. And so you've got Elijah who um, says, right, what we're going to do is we're going to build an altar. You pray to Baal and see if he likes your altar. And I'll pray to God and see if God likes my altar. And all these... They, they pray for ages to Baal and nothing happens and Elijah takes the mickey out of them, nothing happens. They're praying, they're praying, they're praying, nothing happens. Elijah prays once and bang, the altar is lit. And I've got five things that we can pull out of this that I think will help us to understand how we get on with what God wants us to do. And the first thing is this, put it on display. Right at the start of this story, it says this, if I could have the verse up. It says, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the, sorry, and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Basically, Elijah said, get everyone there. God's going to do something, boss. Like, he's like, get everyone here because I'm going to show you who God really is. And he, he, he says, like, Jesus puts it a little bit different. Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to say put it on display. 
Don't be crackers and bonkers about it. Don't go into work tomorrow with a big mazzy Bible and say, right, we're going to read from Leviticus today, everybody. I am not saying, to, please don't do that, you'll look weird. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, talk about it. When you get into the office on a Monday, do you have a nice weekend? Yeah, I went to church, you know, it was brilliant. It's this guy with a, with a goatee, and he can't say tooth properly, he says tooth, but he spoke really, really well. <laughs> Sorry, I'm digging you out tonight, Leon. My, da my dad was here the weekend and he drives him mad. Why can't Leon say tooth? I say it's a black country thing. None of them talk properly. <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying to be obnoxious with putting your faith on display, but take the opportunities to talk about it. People are warmer to faith than you think. If you believe Ricky Gervais, you would think everyone either believes in God or they're atheists. And I reckon about 85% of our culture are in the squishy middle where they don't know what to think. And Elijah says to them, he says to everybody when they're, when they're assembled on top of Mount Carmel, he says, how long will you waver between opinions? I think so many of your friends and family and work colleagues, the people you sit next to, are wavering between opinions. They don't know whether they believe in God, but they need someone to put it on display for them. You know, I was thinking about this today and thinking, as a youth worker, I used to say to parents, if you don't talk to your kids about sex, somebody else will. If you don't talk to your friends who don't know about Jesus, somebody else will talk to them about somebody who's not Jesus. I don't want to take that risk. That the squishy middle of my friends, the 85% who are wavering between opinions, I don't want them. I don't want them to make the wrong decision. I want them to find life in Jesus. And so I want to put it on display. I want to encourage you to invite them. There's still time to invite people to Alpha. There's still time to think about who you can invite. That's why we do church in the way that we do it. If you're new to us and you might be thinking, oh, that's different. Oh, they, they only do one song before the talk. Oh, that's strange. And oh, why do, they, why do they put posts on Facebook about things that don't matter and ask what you like more on your bread, jam or marmalade? It's because we want to engage the wider audience you see, when we do those posts on Facebook, in fact, we've got one coming tomorrow. Tomorrow's May the 4th, and so it's Star Wars Day. And so in the morning on Facebook, we're going to be asking, what's your unpopular opinion about Star Wars? And the reason we do that is we want people from all over to engage. So when you engage and you comment and you like, your friends see it on their walls and they go, oh, I might comment. And then when they comment on Life Central, the Facebook magical algorithm makes more of the Life Central content appear on their phones. And so we're not that bothered about whether they engage with, that, with the silly stuff, but it might be one day that they're in trouble and they see a Bible verse pop up or they, they're scrolling through their feed and they stumble and watch five minutes of our service and God speaks to them. See, we want to put it on display. There's a reason why we do what we do, and it's to put it on display. You see, Mount Carmel wasn't a peak mountain. It was a ridge. It was a ridge where hundreds could assemble. And we're not trying to build a peak mountain where only a couple of people can stand at the top. We're building a Mount Carmel where we want to invite as many people as possible and say, we're going to remove every obstacle for you to come and meet Jesus. That's what we're trying to do as a church. The second thing is this. You might be on your own, but you're not really. It says this. It says, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. 
He's 450 to one outnumbered. A couple of years ago, I was invited into one of our local schools to take part in an RE lesson on um, suffering and why does God allow bad things to happen. The teacher was leading the lesson and I was just there to facilitate some group discussion. A few days before I went in, I got an email to say, um, just so you know, we've had the call from Ofsted, the lesson you're coming in, Ofsted will be in inspecting RE. And I was like, it's fine, I'm not doing anything. I'm just there to you know, help young people. But I was like, maybe I won't wear ripped jeans, I'll wear proper jeans and dress a little bit smarter. And so I got in and the teacher's leading the lesson um, and the inspector's there and I'm sat with a group of year nine students and the teacher says, so we're going to talk about this and we're going to help to understand the Christian perspective of suffering. And so we're going to look at the story of Job and I've just got a little video to show you uh, and explain the story of Job. And so she goes over to the laptop and I'm dying inside because I can see the panic on the teacher's face as the internet's not loading. And the YouTube clip isn't working. I'm thinking, Ofsted's over there. And I can see her panicking. And then I saw the moment of realization where she had a great idea. And I thought, don't you flipping dare. <laughs> and she went, I'm really sorry, kids, that the, the video's not working. But we've got Andy Hancock here from Life Central Church. <laughs> and he's a Christian. He knows everywhere of the Bible, from to back, back to front. <laughs> And so, Andy, if you don't mind, could you just give us 60 seconds on the story of Job and what Christians think about suffering? I was like, yeah. Um, so, so, so it's spelled J-O-B, but it's Job, not Job. And something about the, 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 the cows and sackcloth and ashes. And, and uh, yeah, and it gave this, and I was like, I am on my own. Year nine students are looking at me. The teachers are looking at me going, don't let me down. The Ofsted inspector is like, fail. Like, I was like on my own, but I wasn't, was I? Because Jesus was with me. And I was able to fumble my way through it. And you know, there's a good possibility that loads of you here, that loads of you watching are the only Christian in your workplace the only Christian in your school or your college or your university class. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. You're on your own, but you're not really. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, verse 20. He says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. It may look like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by him. Jesus is with you. You know, scientists reckon these are the three hardest things for humans to say. Number one, I was wrong. Number two, I need help. And number three, anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> I'm joking, that's not a real scientific discovery. But point number two there, I need help. We're not good at asking for help. I want to encourage you, if you are the only Christian in your family, if you are the only Christian in your workplace, talk to people. Talk to the people in your connect group. Talk to the people around you. It may well be that there's a few of you, three or four of you, that you're all the only Christian in your workplace and you go, right, once a month we're going to meet up and we're going to pray for our workplaces and we're going to cheer each other on. We're going to encourage each other. Stick it in your WhatsApp groups, in your connect groups. You know, Stick it in your, in your group chats, whatever you can do, but get away to talk to people and say, hey, I need some people to cheer me on because it's really hard when I'm on my own in that office where everybody's talking about something and I know I shouldn't join in. I find that really hard. Get some people to join in because Jesus is with you and so are we.
We're cheering you on. Often when we pray as a staff team, we're praying for you in your workplace, you in your school and your college and your university, wherever you are, we pray for you and we say, God, would you help them know you and make you known? Point number three is take a risk. Elijah takes a huge risk. Because the prophets of Baal, they're, they're sacrificing, they're praying, they're doing all their rain dances, they're doing everything, and nothing's happening. And Elijah kind of taunts them a little bit, and he's like, oh, maybe, maybe your God's on the toilet. Maybe, maybe he's sleeping, maybe he's on his phone, all this kind of stuff. Elijah taunts them. And he said, like, if it was me, I'd be like, I'd be just going, God, please, when it's my turn, please. Like, and then it comes to Elijah's turn, and he ups the ante because he goes, right, your altar was dry and Baal couldn't light it. I'm going to soak mine in water and we'll see if God still lights it. And so he takes this risk. He steps out. He puts God on the line and he takes a risk. I wonder when was, when was the last time you took a risk? When was the last time you took a risk to know God more? When was the last time you responded to something in a service that you knew you should, but you didn't want to take the risk to go to the prayer room or, or come to the front or ask someone to pray for you? When was the last time you took a risk to make God known, to get up and walk across a room, to talk to somebody? Now, I remember a few years ago, uh, I, I was on team at a Christian conference called New Wine, and I thought, I'm going to step out. I want to know God more. I want to step out in the spiritual gifts. And so I was trying to step out in the spiritual gifts, a word of knowledge. And, and so I approached this lad, and I was praying the whole time. And I felt God say that his mum wasn't very well. And I approached this lad outside one of the venues, and I was like, uh, excuse me, mate, is your mum ill? He went, no, why? I went, never mind. I just ran off. I got it wrong, but I took a risk. And you see, in that moment, I think, it was more about me knowing God more than about God meeting with that guy. I'm sure God had a plan for him. But I, I've always remembered that moment of a moment that I took, stepped out and took a risk. And, you know, if you, just before the pandemic hit, uh, Laura and I were celebrating 10 years of marriage. And so we, we saved up and went to Dubai um, on holiday. And at this moment of watching a guy as I was lying on the beach and this guy was annoying loads of people. He was clearly on something or drank too much of something. And um, I stood there and I was like, this guy is doing my head in. And I was watching him thinking, will you just sit down? And God said, who's going to tell him about Jesus? And I went, not me. <laughs> and I just couldn't get out of my head. And so I went over and started the conversation with him. Because I thought, well, who is going to tell him about Jesus? And so I took a risk and I walked across the beach and we ended up sat at the bar talking and I got a chance to pray for him and it didn't work because an hour later he got thrown out by the bouncers. But I took a risk. I wonder when was the last time we took a risk to know God more and to make him known. Point number four is the one I'm most excited about. See, Elijah prays. And he, he prays, and the point number four, sorry, tech people, I didn't give you the cue. Point number four is look for the bolt from the blue. When Elijah prays, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up, it says, burned up the wood. Now, bolt from the blue is a funny phrase, and so I looked into it, and I love what I have found. So I found this on a website. Bolt from the blue, the phrase bolt from the blue, comes from, it's a cloud-to-ground lightning flash which typically comes out of the backside of the thunderstorm. 
travels a relatively large distance in clear air away from the storm cloud and then angles down and strikes the ground. These lightning flashes have been documented to travel more than 25 miles away from the thunderstorm cloud. Bolt from the blue lightning flashes are a very dangerous type of cloud to ground lightning flash as they appear to come out of the clear sky. I am fascinated by events and biblical events that can be explained by science. I just find it incredible. And so this moment where, where God strikes down could be a bolt from the blue. Because if you look at the location of where Mount Carmel is, it's here, less than seven miles away from the coastline. And I want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying this was a fluke and this wasn't God. I'm saying I think this might be a hypernatural event. An event where God moves within the laws of physics within our world. And there's lots of stuff in the Bible that are explained by science that doesn't disprove that God did it, but explains how God did it. And you see, it's an act of God within the laws of our physical world. Even so, what are the chances of the exact moment that Elijah prays, that bolt from the blue comes and lands in the exact place where Elijah needed it to land. It's got to be God, hasn't it? And here's the thing. Wait for the bolt from the blue. Look for the bolt from the blue. You see, all of them were looking up and going, it's clear sky. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. There's not a cloud in the sky. But 25 miles away out to sea where no one could see, God was working. And God was cooking up a storm and saying, the moment Elijah needs me, bang, it's there. And I wonder whether some of you are looking up at the sky and saying, God, I can't see you working. I can't see you doing anything. But God's in the distance working. God's in the distance cooking up the exact thing that you need at the exact right time. You know, I can only say this because we've experienced it. In our journey six months ago, we were so frustrated that Nobody was coming back to us. We were putting interest in, in profiles and looking at things and social workers weren't replying. And around September and October, Laura and I were frustrated and fed up and we were like, I just can't be bothered with this journey anymore. And both of us were ready to leave it. And now that we've got our kids and we've met them and we've heard their story and heard what's been doing, God was working in the background. I, I, there's things I can't say because it's being broadcast, but I've been blown away as I've learned things in the last six or seven weeks that I've gone, wow. When I was looking up and I was seeing nothing and I was going, God, why aren't you working here? God was, but I couldn't see it. And God was doing something, even though, even though we couldn't see it, even though we were frustrated and you know, getting annoyed and all that kind of stuff. God was cooking up a storm over there and we just had to wait for the right time. Maybe there's some people here that you're looking up and you're going, can't see God moving. Maybe there's some people watching online. God's cooking up a storm. When I was praying earlier about this, um, I felt like this was for lots of people, but specifically for people whose kids used to know Jesus and they've gone away from, from Jesus and they're no longer following him. 
God says, trust me, I'm working on things that you don't know. They might be away at uni or living somewhere else. God's, God's working in their life. God's doing stuff. He just needs you to trust him. And all of a sudden, you'll, they'll come home and they'll go, I went to church the other day. And you'll be like, what? I feel like God's giving you that. The final thing is the band begin to play some nice music. The final point is this, don't get distracted. This whole event wasn't about Elijah lighting an altar. This whole event was about the weather. It was about making it rain again. And so then the moment that God lights the altar, they all fall down and worship God. And then Elijah says, boys, girls, get your coats. It's going to rain in a bit. And it starts to rain. You see, Elijah could have got distracted in that moment and gone, oh, did you see that? Wasn't it great? God prayed and bang and oh, wasn't that amazing? But he stayed focused on the thing that it was all about, about making it rain again, about letting everybody see who the real God was. And so we can't get distracted by things that don't matter because the weather was the thing beneath the thing. And so I don't want us to get distracted by the thing that's on top. We need to remember the thing beneath the thing. And it's all about knowing God and making him known. And so I went away from Easter Sunday going, oh, wasn't it amazing? The band were incredible and the gospel choir was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was good. But that's not the thing to celebrate. The thing to celebrate is people made decisions to follow Jesus and people signed up for Alpha. We cannot get distracted by things that don't matter. I get so frustrated when I'm in conversations about theological things that don't matter. When people are like, when, is, when do you think Jesus is going to come back? And people are having massive YouTube debates. It doesn't matter. Jesus said no one knows except the Father. So why are we talking about it? Let's not waste our time and let's help people find and follow Jesus. So when he does, there's more people to go to heaven. Like, let's not get distracted by things that don't matter. And so I wonder whether we need to realign our focus. What's got us gazing up in the sky, gormless, like Leon said the other week? And so I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And in a moment, we're going we're to sing and we're going to worship. And um, you, can, you can take the TV off now if you want to. But um, we're going to respond and see what God wants to do and what God wants to say. But I think all of us can respond. And so I want you to close your eyes. And, you know, we talk about nearly every Sunday, take your next step, what's your next steps, what's your next steps? What's our next steps? And so what's, what's the next step for you to take for you to know God more? Every single one of us can take that step. And so ask God, you don't need me to tell you God can speak to you. You've got as much access to God as I have. So God, what can I do to know you more? Might be really practical. Might be really spiritual. And then when are you going to take that step? It might be you've never lifted your hands in worship before. And as we sing... God's inviting you 
want you to know me more. Lift your hands. Might be stepping out in a spiritual gift that you've never stepped out in before. It might be starting a reading plan on new version. I don't know. Turning up to your connect group. Whatever it is. What can you do to know God more? And then the second thing. God, what can I do to make you known? Might be invite someone. Might be offered to pray for somebody. Might even just be admit that you go to church. I don't know. This song that we're going to sing is a well-known, it's a bit of an old song now, it's Oceans, we sang it a couple of weeks ago, and I always have this vision in my mind of somebody walking out to sea, and you know that moment where you can't touch the ground anymore? That's when you know if you can swim or not. And just get the sense of God calling all of us into a depth where we don't rely on our, on our tippy toes. We don't rely on our own strength. But we move out into an area where we say, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you to keep me afloat. And so I want to invite you as we, as we sing this song to just have a conversation with God. You might want to commit to some things. You might want to make some decisions, but just do some business with God, whether you're at home or in the room. And so, Father God, we pray that you would come and continue to meet with us. We're so aware of your presence here tonight. And so, Lord, we... We invite you to continue to mould and shape us into becoming more like you, into knowing you, and to making you more known. Amen.